Wish I was a Rockefeller, wish I was a richer fella, wish I was a Carnegie with money far as I can see, but I'm flat bust. And it's just one of those things that have been bubbling in the back of my head of like, how can we make the lives of folks who love music better? And that's where I've been thinking lately. I found I'm not a bubble fan. <laughs> can we get rid of the bubbles? <laughs> I'm sorry, what was the question? <laughs> I want enough skills and art that I can paint by music and just listen to whoever and let them inspire me to make something. I think that would be cool. I think if I could get rid of one thing forever, it would be feedback that would never happen again to anyone ever. And that would be my gift to the world. <laughs> feedback elimination. That would be amazing. You know, most people are so receptive and so um, thoughtful about listening to music, but then there's people who are like, huh, a black girl playing folk and country? I'm not sure. Or like, what's this really gonna be about? You may be asking yourself that same question. What is this really going to be about? That was singer-songwriter, harpist, and guitarist Lizzie No, following a few more of our guests, including Aaron Burdett, the artist whose song Rockefeller is playing right now, his bandmate Laura Ray, and others who talked with me at the Albino Skunk Music Festival in October 2021. And what we were talking about was one question, or rather a choice between two questions. Given the chance to improve one aspect of your musical journey, or the chance to get rid of one thing that stands in its way, what would that be? I asked artists who played at the festival as well as festival goers the same question and got a lot of great answers. No two answers were the same, and all of them got me thinking about how we might make our lives in music a little richer or a little less difficult. From the practical to the whimsical to the ideal, it's all here in this episode. And along the way, you will hear some of the latest music from artists who spoke with me. I'm Joe Kendrick, your host for Southern Songs and Stories, and this is our episode which imagines a bit of a better music world for all of us. Southern Songs and Stories is part of the podcast lineup of both Public Radio WNCW and Osiris Media. Osiris creates music podcasts and events to help music fans deepen their connection to the music they love with all of their shows at OsirisPod.com. Osiris works in partnership with Jam Bass, which connects music fans to the music they love and empowers them to go see live music. 
Capsule versions of Southern Songs and Stories are produced for broadcast on WNCW by me, Corey Askew. More information about this and other podcasts from Grassroots Radio, WNCW at WNCW.org. The concept of utopia is as old as civilization itself, but we are not getting there any faster than we ever were. Every attempt has failed sooner or later. The writing has been on the wall for utopia since the beginning, it seems. We lasted only a hot minute in the Garden of Eden before messing that one up, for example. So let's not try for utopia here, but at least let's try to envision something that's a step above where we are. Let's make a map of the future that isn't unrealistically devoid of potholes, but shows at least a bit smoother of a ride for all of us on our musical journey. Interestingly, I talked with nine people or bands who answered that they would gain something in their musical journeys, and there were nine who answered that they would eliminate something in their path. We'll start with one of the former. Sloane Spencer, a morning radio host and self-described minivan driver who really likes music. I guess the thing that really sticks out to me, and this was always part of what I've been passionate about, but it really with the pandemic has become, I don't know, maybe even primary, like almost like I think I might change some of what I'm doing in my life. And that is access to primary care and mental health care for the music community as a whole. And I think we all talk about that a lot, but I mean like the actual nitty gritty logistics of access. So for example, at this festival here, they've done something great today. They have the COVID vaccine available on site. And you know, Granted, we all haven't been gigging and touring, but in normal times, just getting in somewhere to get the vaccine would be a logistical problem for a musician and a lot of the music community. And I feel the same way about like basic primary care, basic dental care. You know, if there was a way to have that be integrated as part of the larger festivals, even, you know, mobile dental and mobile medical check, you know, most musicians I know haven't had a checkup probably since they were little kids. And that sort of logistical access and availability, I think, would be life-changing for a lot of folks. I've really been, I've really been thinking this over for the last many months. I, I, I have spent a long time in talking about awareness and access of mental health care specifically, and I think there are some really great organizations stepping up on a national level to make that happen, like Backline who is working with the larger events, and we have our hyper-localized places as well, like Nucci Space in Athens and David's Den and the Nashville community, and of course, Ham and Sims Foundation in Austin, Texas. And I, th- I think that you know some sort of either integration or expansion of that concept to cover some of those more primary healthcare needs would really improve everybody's lives in a measurable sort of way. Um, and and interest- there's a connected subject matter to that that I've only recently come to know more about and that is the concept of harm reduction and it's a philosophy in terms of helping folks with substance use issues and I'm not an expert on this by any means I am a total lay person but but helping them access safer more healthful ways of living and one of those things is access to naloxone and Narcan I think most folks call it um And it's interesting as I sit in this festival, which tends to have an older demographic of the fan base, I think that there's a big gap. So like millennials and younger, so, you know, Gen Y, they know know all about harm reduction and the access to Narcan. But 
as for folks, I'm, I'm at the oldest end of Gen X and the folks, boomers, don't seem to be as knowledgeable about the fact that, you know, they're not a street drug user perhaps, but you know, many people are of chronic pain and are on opioids. And so they also need training and access to Narcan slash naloxone and could potentially save their lives. And I think that there, there's a big disconnect in recognizing that that's life, something life-saving that's readily available and it's free in most places. Um, and it's just one of those things that have been bubbling in the back of my head of like, how can we make the lives of folks who love music better? And that, that's where I've been thinking lately. That's great. I was interviewing Molly Tuttle yeah. this summer and on the spot from whatever we were talking about, I had the, the, uh, in, the idea that there should be a network of people to be on call to receive a call in the middle of the night from some lonely artist who's in need of talking to somebody that just understands that can be on their level. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. And <laughs> I've been on the receiving end of many of those calls just over the nature of my personality and the years. But agreed. I've talked with, I don't want to name any names. But I've also had that discussion very personally with a couple of musician friends. And related to that, there has been kind of a floating concept of sober companions for musicians. And a couple of different organizations have tried to put that forth. And I think that because of the pandemic, that's it, the logistics of that haven't been able to really move forward in an organized manner yet. But I think as folks who work with various organizations here of like, how can we expand our reach? I think that that's going to be a, a one way to help folks live safe and healthy lives as music and creative folks. Um, but you know, th- that's, that's not certainly not the niche that every person needs, but there are people for whom that could be career saving, um, to help get through, especially those early days of sobriety as they define it, whatever that might be. I'd rather give something away than to gain anything. I'd, I'd like for a song to help somebody, whether they're having a hard day or a hard night, uh, or they're driving a long distance or short distance home after work, or maybe in the sitting in a hospital bed waiting for things to improve i i guess that's my answer i'd rather just give hope to uh to everybody else out there that's not a musician that enjoys music um and that's that's the greatest thing i could get back take a deep breath it's gonna be all That's Riley Downing, a Kansas City artist who is also a member of the New Orleans group The Deslons, with the song Deep Breath from his recent solo album Started Over. Riley played the Albino Skunk Music Festival with Athens, Georgia band The Pink Stones, who had their own set as his backing band.
This is Hunter Pinkston from the Pinkstones. Um, I think that the biggest thing, which is kind of part of each side of the question, uh, maybe not being forced to have a job <laughs> would be pretty cool. You know, I mean, I think that's the thing for a lot of people. But, you know, I like working. But when it comes to be time to play music, probably be dope to just play music all the time. But, you know, I think that's the common hurdle for most people. So, you know, who knows? I'd love to be better at every single instrument ever created. But, you know, uh, not work. Give me more time to be better at everything, I think. You know, I, I would say, I mean, this seems a little bit greedy, but I think I think sometimes the monetary side of music gets in the way. And if there was a way to, you know, not let that be such a variable, then I feel like it would be much easier to you know, to share music and, and be able to get around to, you know, get around the world easier and, and yeah. bring our families and, you know. Capitalism is exceptionally cruel to art. Yeah, it is. It is. Thank it you. Is. That's, that was... Like a lot of the, uh, the great ages of art didn't take place in a capitalist society. I mean, I think, in, you know, generally speaking, it's, it's worked pretty well, you know. It's worked pretty well. It, it, you know, in terms of the, the baseline, but uh, art, like, the, like the, the, the classics, existed because of patrons of the art. Look in the city by New York City, it's never been said before. A few days late and a couple bucks showed me the landlord at the door. That's Finer Weather by The Contenders from their 2017 album Laughing with the Reckless. Syncing up with The Contenders members Josh Day and Jay Nash, echoing Hunter Pinkston's wish for something like universal basic income for musicians. That idea is just going to keep coming around, it seems. And COVID-19 has just accelerated that conversation. Look at the ongoing Great Resignation as just one indicator that our current version of capitalism is in flux. Okay, so these were some weighty conversations, and eventually I felt the need to lighten the mood and walk over to one of the campgrounds to get some different takes on my question. Sure enough, I came across a group including WNCW hosts Renee Denton, Mike Dew, and their friend Steve Westall, where I would make a new acquaintance who seemed at first to be a fish out of water at a roots music-oriented festival like Albino Skunk, the noteworthy rap artist and Michigan native Dangerous D. First to take the mic was Renee. I would love to be a, more of an artist, and I think I'm going to take some art classes just because... I like when people talk about painting and listening to um, the Jar Jam on Wednesday nights. The volunteers, when they come in, you know, and all their tie-dyes and everything, and they're like, that's one of their favorite things to do. I want enough skills and art that I can paint by music and just listen to whoever and let them inspire me to make something. I think that would be cool. That's excellent. <laughs> and that's doable. Yeah, it's very doable. I'm going to start on it next Monday. Mike Dew, you know him very well, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, here's my take on this. What you don't do in life very often is be in a situation where you make great friends. For me, what music and the best thing about music and music festivals are you find people 
that you've got so much in common with and you make really, really good friends. More even above the music and everything else that goes on. So that's what I really love and what I would change is probably nothing. What's your last name, Steve? Steve Westall. I love music enough to where I just want to learn more. I play a good uh, CD player, so I'm pretty good at that. But uh, but uh, no, it would I would love my problem is not having enough patience to pick up an instrument and really do. So I I enjoy listening and I appreciate the art of someone who has been disciplined enough to do so. But uh, uh, music, you know. Music for me is something that's brought me together, and like Mike said, it has caused all of us to come together. So what started out as love for music's turned us into something a lot better, and it's and it's turned into a lot more than just love of music. But it's something we can all share together, and it's brought us together. And uh, if it wasn't for music, I guess we wouldn't all be here and wouldn't know these kind and wonderful folks. That gave me the idea for my answer. My answer would be able to play a musical instrument, like be able to jam, because I've not played a musical uh-huh. instrument since I was about 16. I started writing music and recording music uh, probably about 30 40 years ago and it it was uh, more geared towards the rap genre but to answer your question in regards to what what I would change um, I don't know I think things have changed so much in the last two or three decades when we went from selling tapes and CDs to now everything is streamed there's a lot of positives and there's a lot of negatives to how music is is consumed and listened to today as it was a long time ago what the advantages are artists um you don't have to be signed to a label you can it's very easy to go ahead and record music and Put it out to the masses through social media, iTunes, and all different kinds of platforms. So for independent artists, it's real easy to do that, and it's easy to get paid from that. What you lose when people stream music is what what I did when I was younger, what I liked. There was always a lot of thought uh, going into the concept, thought and, and, and creativity into the actual album cover and the jackets and things of that nature as to where you would get the physical package you'd get the cd or the album or the set tape open it up the jacket you could read all of the credits and look at the there it we we lose that with streaming one answer that i got from an artist that took an entirely different direction was from lizzie no who seemed to hold the audience in the palm of her hand during her set. Her answer follows this, a bit of Deep Well song from her album, Vanity.
right now, I think I would eliminate people's expectations. Um, because I think that the musical life is a, hopefully a long one and it's a long journey and you're always little by little adding this and that. Um, but I would love to just take away these barriers that make it hard for people to even engage with my music. You know, most people are so receptive and so um, thoughtful about listening to music, but then there's people who are like, huh, a black girl playing folk and country? I'm not sure. Or like, what's this really gonna be about? She's not from the South. Or people love to hear, you know, a male singer rocking out and, you know, singing from the heart, but there's like an, a, an added layer of like, I'm not so sure about this when it's a woman. So I would just take all of those preconceived ideas away so that people could just get to the music and make their decisions from there. Well, that's great. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're working on it, I think. Hi, this is Aaron Burdett. You know, uh, I mean, it's pretty boring. Uh, I really want to work on my solos more. I mean, I don't know that that's very interesting uh, audio uh, listening, but uh, trying to get the, to the point where I can speak through my instrument more instead of thinking about it. You know, because it, you, as you're learning, you learn these things and you have to... You kind of got to get out of the way, and I can get out of the way playing rhythm guitar. You know, I've gotten pretty darn good at that, and I and I don't I don't worry about it. But man, stepping out and trying to sing a little bit with your fingers is a new thing to me, and I'm I'm still a little stumbly. I'm Laura Ray. I play guitar and banjo in the band. I think if I could get rid of one thing forever, it would be feedback that would never happen again to anyone ever. And that would be my gift to the world. <laughs> Feedback elimination. That would be amazing. That would be amazing. I would like to get rid of my own self-sabotaging thoughts when I'm on stage. I would like to get rid of worrying about what I'm doing and trusting the flow that, like, the music is happening and I don't have to, like, overthink how much I'm playing or whether I'm doing it right or who's judging me or what the audience might think and to just let that go away and be, you know, a vessel or, a, you know, a conduit for the music without having my own ego get in the way. Um, yeah. And I'm Kim France and I play the bass. Anything that I would wish for in music would be a uh, permanent removal of my mind from the live show. <laughs> yeah. Leave my, leave my body. My body's got it figured out. My ears got it figured out. Get rid of the mind. The mind always gets in the way. And you do do a good job with releasing yourself from the mind, but there are some shows here and there still that you just, you know, need, that we, we want to get into. You don't want to be in your head. And we want to get into and you get out of the head. That's great. That mm -hmm. is great. Like, it, it is true. It's like you just got to, like, release. There's this release. And um, and mo most shows, I feel like we do it really well, but there's the occasional show where it's just like you just can't release. Dave Hubner and Julie Schiff, the husband and wife at the core of the band The Two Tracks. Wrapping up our episode on the practical side of things that we could wish for to make our lives as artists, fans, and people who work in and around music just a step closer towards greener pastures. There were more good answers that I've left out for the sake of time, like reining in excessive ticket fees and making people in any given audience stop talking over the music. 
Those are both excellent points, and the latter is one which we could accomplish without even having to wield a magic wand. As the two tracks are singing here, that would be beautiful. What do you think? Drop me a line at southernsongsandstories at gmail.com or post a comment on the podcast platform where you listen to Southern Songs and Stories, and I'll be glad to correspond with you about this episode or most anything related to music and its culture and history. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoyed our time together. Southern Songs and Stories is a part of the podcast lineup of both Public Radio WNCW and Osiris Media, with all the Osiris podcasts available at osirispod.com. You can also hear new episodes of this podcast on Bluegrass Planet Radio at bluegrassplanetradio.com. Thanks to Glenn Ziegler and everyone at the Albino Skunk Music Festival for their abundant hospitality. And thanks to Corey Askew for producing the radio adaptations of this series on Public Radio WNCW, where we worked with Joshua Ming, who wrote and performed our theme songs. I'm your host and producer, Joe Kendrick, and this is Southern Songs and Stories, the music of the South and the artists who make it. Can it be any more Can it be any more magnificent Can it be any more beautiful Can it be any more magnificent getting bubbled. No. Were you getting bubbled? I was.
it was getting on my glasses and uh, it was just seemed excessive. <laughs> and, and then we were thinking, well, what about the sound equipment? Like, what about the musicians? Are they enjoying all these bubbles like on their strings? Does it, <laughs> does it distract them? It's but actually the Billy Strings cover band, Bubble Strings. Bubbles, Bubble Strings. Yeah. Hey, when they come out with that, you know, you heard it here first. <laughs>